वेलकम टू सिंट टॉक दिन टॉकर्स अराउंड द टेबल टूडे डिस्कस द आर्किटेक्चर ऑफ लाइफ विल थिंक अबाउट द नेचर डेफिनेटिव कैरेक्टरिस्टिक्स एंड द आर्किटेक्चर ऑफ बायोलॉजिकल लाइफ The concepts are likely to be from molecular biology, philosophy, artificial intelligence, and many other areas. We'll try to understand if there's a sharp distinction between life and non-life. Where does vitalism enter life, and what is the chemical basis for a lot of what we see around ourselves? How and why does life emerge out of non-life? and what is the likely future of life from a variety of dimensions we are very pleased to have two sin talkers around the table today dr pushpa bhargava who is a biologist and scientist founder of ccmb in hyderabad and professor nagarjuna who pursues experimental epistemology and is an educationist who works towards a free society he is from homi baba center in mumbai thank you so much to both of you for making it today nagarjuna maybe we set the ball rolling with you um uh, to understand to very high level and we'll keep boring down as we go what you mean by life and what one means by life when 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 one uses that word and what are the different dimensions to that word and that coinage and maybe we'll unravel and unwrap that as we go along uh well uh, the attempt is not to make or define life yes uh, as uh, both philosophically as well as the way how science approaches to this problem mm-hmm. we try to understand the conditions under which life begins to exhibit itself okay okay so um, so so from that point of view i think uh, uh, we we've been characterizing life with uh, a lot of features you have some textbook features mm-hmm. that everybody knows like growth reproduction metabolism and evolution right and and these are an irritability and things like that which are a common part of the uh, textbook uh, definition of characteristic features of life okay but i think as uh, people began to work uh, lately i think people are getting better clues about how to for example uh understand the conditions mm-hmm. that made life possible what are those conditions uh well well first of all um uh well, so some of the characteristics i mean it's not that one character of course. there, there are of course. Uh, uh, a cluster of them uh and not too many of them but uh, a few of them sure so uh one of them uh that's a very uh important character is that uh it it exhibits a self organization okay that is uh, um they 
the the components that uh the macromolecules that mm-hmm. you have uh, mm-hmm. exhibit uh, self organization mm-hmm. and uh they f- first of all we have to understand that it's a physical state it's so it's, life is a physical state it's a physical state okay i mean that's the way how um, we like to put it first in the sense that it, uh, the state is an important point here mm-hmm. that what do you physic- mean by that uh I mean, a very simple example could be like uh, you know we have uh, water, for yeah. example. Yes. Okay. Uh, liquid is a state yes. of water. Yes. So it is in that sense. Yes. That, you know there is matter everywhere, right? But then uh, the same matter, you know, exhibits Can a exist particular in state. States. So it's it's like that. You know, it's like a, it is in that sense that. So that's why I said you know the state is an important. That's interesting. Uh, Maybe uh, we'll get back to that, Doctor Bhargava. What do you have to say to that? And um, well, uh, uh, life can be defined uh, by three parameters. Okay. Uh, one is replication. Mm-hmm. Second is metabolism. Mm-hmm. And uh, the third is. Uh, transduction of energy mm-hmm. ability to convert one form of energy into another into another form yeah. right so these are the three basic characteristics yeah of life yeah now uh, all living systems mm-hmm. can actually be described in terms of four parameters okay the first is what are they made of mm the chemistry of it the chemistry of the living system okay uh, what is it made of and we know that even the simplest living systems mm-hmm. have several thousand chemicals mm-hmm. right so if you exclude virus because virus is non living somewhere in the boundary <laughs> uh, in the boundary yeah it's non living when it is outside it's living when it is it needs a host inside and it needs a host yes so you can count the chemicals in the host as well correct necessary for viral Correct. replication so um, one is the chemistry mm-hmm. which is very complex mm-hmm. the second is biochemistry mm-hmm. um, let me amplify this uh, if you take a simple bacterium cassiterice coli yeah it has several thousand carbon containing compounds right. so you can say several thousand chemicals right. organic chemicals but uh, they are all made from one single organic chemical that it can use that's glucose right so it uh, glucose goes through a whole lot of reactions right to eventually get converted mm-hmm. into these several thousand chemicals mm-hmm. so that is the biochemistry of the system third is the structure as to what does the system look like at all levels of resolution you know resolution at the level of the naked eye resolution at the level of scanning microscope uh So when you say structure, you mean the pure morphology of it, just the, the morphology at yeah. at all levels, at all levels, right, including at all dimensions, the, yeah. including the molecular level, right, right. So uh, structure and lastly function, mm-hmm. and what is it that the system can do, right. So you and you have a hierarchy that uh, uh, for biochemistry you need chemistry, mm-hmm. structure you need biochemistry and chemistry, correct. And to understand function, you need uh, uh structure biochemistry and chemistry right so all functions which are obviously the most important right attributes of life right are a consequence of unique chemistry right unique biochemistry right and unique structure 
And uh, the challenge today, mm-hmm. uh, as far as research is concerned, mm-hmm. is really understanding function. Right. If you look at what was being done in the 19th, you know, from the beginning of the 20th century to about 1950, the first 50 years mm-hmm. of the last uh, century, mm-hmm. uh, scientists were busy understanding the chemistry of living systems. Right. And lots of Nobel Prizes went for those who <laughs> discovered constituents sure. of uh, sure. of life sure. and how they are made. Then uh, we had uh, biochemistry of the system. Mm. People began to un- uh, to try to understand how are all these chemicals made. Mm-hmm. That's where the emphasis was till, let's say, 1970s. Mm-hmm. And by 1970s, these metabolic charts, as we call them, were essentially complete. Right. Chances that you will discover new reactions going on in living systems became exponentially uh, decreasing. Okay. Then the emphasis started on, structure. On, on structure. Right. And today there is still excitement in structure. Okay. We don't understand all aspects of structure mm-hmm. of living systems. And of course, finally, uh, we would like to know what makes uh, the living system tick. What Correct. Per- perform all, this, uh, right. all, all the things that it can perform. Right. So that is where the excitement today is, understanding function. That's very interesting. In and Dr. Bhargava, when you like you touched upon glucose, for example, mm-hmm. um, how is it that some glucose is living and some glucose is not living? Obviously, these are constituent molecules, but what is it that ends up becoming life finally? It could be a dumb question at many levels, but where does that branching out happen and when does life end up imbuing itself um, into an organism or a body? Well, are you talking of origin of life? I'm talking of why is some, I mean, there's obviously glucose all around us in many forms and fashions, and some of it happens to be in living bodies, and some of it is in non-living bodies. Does it have to do with glucose per se, or it just has to do no, with... No, see, uh, glucose is a key molecule. Mm-hmm. You don't have to give the system glucose. Right. For example, we don't eat glucose, but we eat uh, starch. That's right. And the starch can be converted into glucose. Right. When we drink milk, there's no glucose there, but there's lactose there. Right. Milk sugar. Right. Lactose can break down into one molecule of glucose and one of galactose. Right. And then galactose can be converted to glucose. Correct. So essentially, glucose uh, uh, is a key molecule mm-hmm. that everything that we eat mm-hmm. uh, has some relationship eventually to glucose. Right, so, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, so, so that is, we say, the, so the, all the metabolic charts begin with glucose. So right. Say, and glucose can also be synthesized. Mm, correct, of course. Which we call glucogenesis. Correct. Can be synthesized mm. from chemicals like pyruvate mm. in the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but that's the key chemical mm-hmm. from where everything emanates. And, right, uh, right. Uh, so when we eat potato... It starts is converted in, in the body in glucose. Correct, correct, correct. So, That's very interesting. And do all life forms have this body of essentially getting energy from glucose or uh, glucose? All, that all life, life forms that we know mm-hmm. essentially have glucose as the key molecule. Right, right. So 
now it i mean whether it's aerobic anaerobic it, it doesn't matter that does it that doesn't matter right that's very interesting it, it doesn't matter it's very interesting so that's the key that's the key molecule mm mm-hmm. 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 Oh. and uh, nagarjuna maybe we go back to you when you touched upon this concept of self organizing characteristic of life can you um can you expand on so, that a little bit uh, more so if you permit maybe what i will do is i'll touch upon the same question that you asked uh, dr barkova sure please about uh, uh, i mean the glucose is a wonderful starting point yes uh, to actually understand this whole thing please in the yeah. sense that and you also asked this question an interesting question about well you have glucose outside life as well as inside yes. life so what yes. is the difference yes i think um uh, the way how uh, biochemists uh, understand mm-hmm. the uh, 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 the thing is that you know it, it, it's part of a bigger metabolic chain okay okay being in that network right of the thing you know is is, is, is so there are uh, um hexoses the uh, six carbon compounds like glucose right there are also 3 4 5 6 7 i mean we have all of them in plenty right uh, but right. then they all form uh, a, a kind of a assembly a chemical assembly or kind of an orchestra rather than you know assembly is not a small word to use got it, it it's it's like a it's a metabolic it's a very dynamic uh play of uh, you know interactions sure, i sure. think uh, some of them have used the term of uh, it's it, it's like a it's like a um, uh, cycles and hypercycles of such metabolic things you know that is when the the so being part of that bigger cycles and networks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. distinguishes the glucose from the one that you have outside life and inside life See, and uh, that applies uh, uh, of course right. not just to the glucose but also to the other uh, biomolecules that you have right whether it is a bigger thing like a protein or an amino acid or a nucleotide or whatever right right, the, the right. being in that game you know being in so that some kind uh, of a kind complex of, system where yeah it, it's a dynamic uh, 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 you know reactions which are interrelated okay uh, i mean the word organic actually has come from that but in the absence <laughs> of a better word we can just say that you know it's it's a kind of an organic uh, dynamism that you see here right this and that that sort of uh, right right uh, makes out right. Uh, the point right. there right but where and how does it get its uh, self organizing character that you spoke about see the the question is that you know self organization you see in both physical as well as uh, uh, living state okay okay a lot of self organizing properties can uh one of the early uh, self organization uh, things that people have looked at for example if you if you just uh, drop some uh, molecules which are you know both hydrophobic as well as hydrophilic right uh, like, right like phospholipids for example right in mm-hmm. in a uh, in a soup of water for example and you you will start suddenly seeing you know interesting structures coming okay. you, you'll see layers you'll see micelle you'll see you know right formation right. So, so that that formation of that structure mm-hmm. uh you know is self organizing mm-hmm. and or or you leave uh, a strand of dna uh, and then you know you you would find the affinities uh, you know between the two strands right uh, right stabilize uh, right uh, right you know, without any external uh intervention however the the environment under which 
this whole thing happens mm-hmm. uh, is an important uh, part of it. Mm-hmm. So one important uh, thing that I may want to emphasize about the interesting living state is that, you know, first of all, we need to look at the environment in which living state uh, gets realized uh, in water. Right. So water itself has fantastic lifelike properties. Mm-hmm. Like know, what? In the sense that, you know, it, it, it's made of things which are, you know, neither aesthetic nor basic, but both. Right. It's a kind of, uh, you know, it's so a it's wonderful... pH level yeah, is So it's, it's a kind of a pH buffer. pH buffer, it's, of it's course. It's a pH buffer. But mm-hmm. it's also a heat buffer. Right. So both from the physical as well as chemical point of view. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's no accident that, you know, life originated <laughs> from... From water. Uh, from water. Yes. You know, it's a, it's a, and then the most interesting thing is it, it, life uh, also requires covalent bonds, of course. Mm-hmm. But then the drama begins when you start working with uh, weak bonds and Van der Waal forces. Right. The, like hydrogen bonds, for example. Right. So it's abundance of hydrogen bonds. So you have a sea of hydrogen bonds that you see in water. But you also see it in the colloidal state of uh, protoplasm, for example. Correct, correct, so correct. So whether the protein structure or it's the DNA structure or, you know, RNA structure, everywhere you see a wonderful play of these weaker bonds. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know, the, mm-hmm. the, and then it's, it's not those uh, complete lack of any bonds, mm-hmm. like in the physical kind of state, mm-hmm. which is like a dissipated, far from equili- uh, uh, equilibrium state. Right. And it is also not the other end of the spectrum where you have a complete aggregate of uh, covalent bonds, like something like a diamond or a carbon right. kind of thing. If you take right. these two things as the extremes, right. you know, the, the life is a kind of a, a, dialogical, a, a dialogical state in, in uh, somewhere. That's very interesting. So I would say it's a neither uh, the physical uh, equilibrium nor the chemical death sort of thing, you know, on the other side, like uh, like, a, like a carbon thing. So, so it's some kind of a dissipative structure are you alluding to? Uh, uh, well, essentially, uh, 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 the, the point, of course, is that, you see, the, the, the system, of course, requires energy from outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, as as Prigozhin actually called it as a far from equilibrium state. Correct. But uh, that is only one side of the story. Right. Because he is not talking about that, you know, it is also far from a very strong covalent uh, bonding of thing course. on the other side. That's right. You know. That's right. That's so very interesting. It's, yeah. it's, it's also not a complete petroleum state. Yes. Hydrocarbon state. Yes. So yes. it's also not a complete oxidized state like carbon dioxide. Yes. So if you see uh, the the soup of uh, protoplasm, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's uh, you have on one hand aldehydes and you have one hand ketones. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, taking carbohydrate as an important base because it's a wonderful starting point to understand. So, so you have both aldehyde carbohydrates as well as ketone carbohydrates. That's very interesting. And That's then, very interesting. but then, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, so ketones are the most oxidized thing that life can allow right. it to happen inside the cell. And then, right. you know, aldehyde is the uh, most, uh, uh, hydro, uh, you know, reduced state that it will allow. Right. And as soon right. as it's carbon right. dioxide, you know, it sort of, you know, takes it out of the, right. out of right. the state. You know, it's, it's a kind of dialogue between uh, not being tending towards uh, covalent death and not being going towards uh, equilibrium, physical equilibrium, like a high entropy kind of state. That's very interesting. It's a kind of a dialogue between the two. Uh, That's very the interesting. Way how, so you are, uh, you are in a way going away from a pure reductionist approach to life to say that, you know, when you, when you go, I mean, is there a unit of life? Dr. Bhargava, maybe that's a question for you. How how far can we break life down 
until we reach non-life, if you know what I mean. Like, all right, a cell is a living cell, and you break that further, and you get into protoplasm and nucleus. And how much further do we have to break down? And if one thinks of it from a laymanish perspective, where does biology end and chemistry begin? Well, uh, you can ask this question in two ways. Yes, that that if we take, a, let's say, the simplest form of life, a cell. Yeah. What can we take out? Mm-hmm. So and keep on taking things out. So that it still remains what, at life. At what stage? It still remains living. Yes. Uh, well, as I said, that as long as it retains the capacity to replicate. Yeah. Capacity to metabolize. Yeah. And transduce energy. Yeah. It continues to be living. Yeah. You can take things out of it. Yeah. And and it'll regenerate. Yeah. But then beyond a point, it will not do that. What is that point? Well, that point we still do not know because we can look at the question the other way around. <laughs> that is, how was the first cell formed? Correct. That's and, very interesting. And that's the question that we have no answer. There are two views mm-hmm. on a it. A biogenesis. I mean, how uh, do you get? Yes. Right. There are two views on it. One view is that uh, uh, we had, of course, the primordial soup mm-hmm. uh, four, four billion years ago. Uh, all the, the constituents of uh, living system, amino acids, uh, nucleosides, nucleotides, right, and they were formed by chemical reactions taking place mm-hmm. in the environment mm-hmm. which existed on the surface of the earth. Mm-hmm. That is uh, ammonia and uh, uh, Methane. Methane. Yes. Uh, yes. So, uh, and there was, uh, you know, uh, electric uh, uh, arcs yeah. that passed between. So, <laughs> right. so they they generated high. Right. Uh, right. Right. You know, sources of energy. Right. So that those chemicals somehow got organized mm-hmm. to give rise to a cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people believe that when, when this situation exists, mm-hmm. every time you will be, have life come about. The other group to which I belong believe that uh, this may have happened only once. Such a rare event. That's a scary thought. Uh, mm-hmm. that we may <laughs> At be many at, levels, it could we, be right. <laughs> we, may, we may be alone in the universe. Right. <laughs> because until the time we are able to create life from non-living in the lab, Synthetic life. Synthetic life. Yeah. And no one has been able to do that. Is it possible? I mean, one is... Well... uh, You seem to belong in the camp, but that it's not. Uh, I believe that this was an accident, Mm -hmm. what we call a singularity. Singularity. That happened just once. Yeah. And the chances of it's happening a second time... What's the basis for that belief? Well, the basis is that... uh, we have not been able to produce any you know, living system from non-living components. Right. right. So Has that attempt have, been aborted? Uh, there were a lot, lot of attempts. For example, mm-hmm. take mitochondria. Mitochondria. Which is a structure. Yes. And it's a phase-separated structure. Yeah. In the sense that within yeah. the mitochondria, there's a membrane and there's fluid flow. Correct. So, so the, all the... Self assembly that uh, Nagarjuna, Nagarjuna talked about, yeah. they're all non phase separated. What so, does that mean? Well, that means is that there's no, no fluid 
we're flowing through it. For example, yes, you take ribosomes, of course, of course. which are a complex structure consisting of large number of proteins mm-hmm. and several types of RNA. Mm-hmm. And all these proteins are distinct molecules. Mm-hmm. Now they're all made in the cell, but yeah. they all come together right. to give rise to a ribosome. Now a ribosome is a, you can call it in some ways, a chemical complex. Mm-hmm. There's nothing flowing in through it. Right. So all the right. self assemblies we see in living systems mm-hmm. are non phase separated. That's very interesting. But the cell is a phase separated That's structure. That's very interesting. Because mm-hmm. all these structures, mm-hmm. there's a liquid flow mm-hmm. between them. So until the time we are able to assemble mm-hmm. uh, a phase separated structure mm-hmm. in the laboratory, mm-hmm. we cannot rule out the possibility that uh, we are alone. That this happened once, and we don't know how it happened. Right. <laughs> but it could be that the probability is so low that uh, even though we have such a large variety of objects in the sky, yeah, your planets yeah. like Earth, yeah, a large number have been identified. Yeah. That maybe that uh, the probability is so low that life may not have emerged anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, the universe is not infinite if one takes a certain view. But y- yeah. you say that the probability is infinitesimal. It's it's probably too low to be found so, anywhere else, right? So that's um, um, the constraint we we uh, we have, right? Uh, and do you think of this entirely probabilistically or is, is some unit of life somewhere actually making a choice if one thinks of it from a behavioral chemistry standpoint? Um, well, uh, you know, uh, Fred Hoyle, the famous astronomer, yeah. actually believed that life has been seeded here. Yeah, of course. And Panspermia coming mm, from outside. Panspermia. Some yeah. So uh, uh, the question is, it still remains... It's a hypothesis, that, uh, of course. It continues but to be. But if it has been seeded here, where, from, from where the seed came. Yeah. <laughs> if the seed came, how did life originate there? Yeah. So we are only pushing the question. Yes. By saying that life was seeded here. Right. So right. The, right. The question right. is, how did it originate there? Right. So until we are able to, to create in the lab a synthetic, Phase separated structure mm-hmm. like mitochondria, or a nucleus, mm-hmm. or a cell. Mm-hmm. We uh, we cannot say that life exists elsewhere. And well. how how reversible or irreversible is this process, Doctor Bhargava, of uh, life emerging out of non-life? Is it possible for all all of it to evolve into non-life all over again, or is it just no, some see, kind of a progressive? As I said that. Uh, if and, you, and you if, know, when one asks that question, it is in a, in a somewhat non-anthropocentric sense. I mean, is it, is it possible for this chemical soup to come into life and then well, this go is back the, to that hydrocarbon state? Well, this is the whole, whole question that um, is it possible for a group of chemicals yeah. of which living systems are made yeah. to come together yeah. and give rise to a structure yeah. or being or organism yeah. that has these properties of replication of uh, metabolism correct and uh, of energy transduction yes so so far we have not been able to do that mm. so, mm. so that's why uh, i believe that until we are able to do that we cannot rule out the possibility that we are alone yeah <laughs> and this happened by an accident 
Right. Or, or a probability which is so low yeah. that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, uh, like a game of bridge. Yeah. Cards. <laughs> the number of that combinations is mind-bogglingly high. Uh, yes. The chances that <laughs> you will have the same deal. Again. Mm-hmm. Again. Yes. Anywhere. <laughs> and there's just 52 cards. Just 52 cards. <laughs> of course. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. And how, I mean, you touched upon virus a while ago. What What is virus? I mean, how can it be living and non-living at the same time? Well, or in different environments, a, maybe too. Well, virus is an interesting example of self-assembly. Uh, it is non-living when it is outside of the cell. It's a chemical. It's a chemical, it's a, yeah. You can call it a nuclear protein. It's a chemical, you can crystallize Doesn't it. Doesn't the clue lie there? Doesn't the clue to the synthetic life that we were talking about, of creating life out of non-life, is it, is it more... No, no, because it's not a phase-separated structure. It's not, yes. A, a, you, you can assemble a virus yes. in, in, from its uh, components yeah. in the test tube. That's not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a phase separated structure. Yeah. Once it gets inside a cell, yeah. Then it uses the cell machines, machinery of the cell, yeah. to make its own constituents, right. which then assemble, right. self-assemble, because virus, as I said, is not a phase separated structure. Yeah. It's like a complex molecule. Yeah. 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 So uh, that is why it is when it is outside of the cell. Yeah. We can't call it living. Yeah. In the sense yeah. outside of the cell, it can't do anything. That's very interesting. Yeah. That's yes. very interesting. Nagarjuna, how would you characterize virus? Um, maybe, you know, I mean, philosophical I, I, sense. I, I, I or, agree with uh, uh, Dr. Bhargava that, you know, that uh, that phase separation yeah. uh, is, a, is, a, is a also an interesting way of partitioning, you know, the living state from the non-living in the sense that you know there is a there is a boundary interesting uh, and even philosophically it, that's also a kind of uh, organizational closure mm-hmm. uh, maturana uh, one of the inspirations yeah, of for my thought uh, yes. is uh, uh, he calls it as an organizational closure mm-hmm. so so it's the cell is the is the smallest uh, such closure know, such such closure yeah you know and therefore uh, and talking the about cell is the smallest. It doesn't go below that. Uh, nothing smaller than that would exhibit. Uh, and what do you mean you when the, you say the point is here, You see, the life is also a unity, right? Yes. Identity. Yes. You know, there, there are cells, but each cell has maintains itself. So that yes. maintenance, what does it maintain? Yes. See, it, it maintains a kind of a structure. Yeah. Uh, say, um, one can take a very simple example of like... Uh, there are certain carbons, certain hydrogens, mm-hmm. certain uh, sulfates and other things which my mother might have given to me. Yeah. <laughs> but is, they're not is, in is you the, anymore. Is, but this you the same, is this the same carbon still existing with me? It's not. Right. It might have passed into my urine or maybe through my carbon uh, dioxide that came out of my lungs. Right. So the point is what is maintained here is yes. the organizational uh, aspect. Yes. Uh, that's uh, So... Uh, that that organizational maintenance, but even the sustaining cell is not sustaining there. that structure, yeah, uh, yeah. is life. Yeah, you know, but why do you say that this life. cell is the smallest unit of organizational closure? Because even even the cell that you may have got from your mother doesn't. Uh, okay, exist. so one one way of looking at that would be like uh, it's it's 
dependence and independence are the best way to understand this. Okay. Okay. So, of course, nothing is independent in this whole world. Even the cell depends on uh, an, a, a kind of a environment, environment. outside. Yes. So it, ap- apart from that, Mm-hmm. Uh, you grant me that there is a little bit of independence to that cell yes. in the sense that yes uh, within all that uh, uh, you know molecular uh, orchestra mm-hmm. it maintains and sustains mm-hmm. an organizational structure mm-hmm. a dynamic organizational structure correct and and that identity mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. is also part of being a cell you know uh, maintaining yeah. all the other structures and uh, you know working with all of them yeah and take out any one of them it will be dependent on something else like right. dna depends on proteins proteins depend on you know carbohydrates you know there is a complete uh, interrelationships that's very but together hmm. but together they form a kind of uh, sustenance right in the sense right. that you know uh, it, it can maintain uh, itself yeah uh, outside uh, that part, that that that's a kind of uh, way how one could uh, locate uh, and believe why is that cell is such an important uh, right. uh, smallest unit which expresses life right that's very interesting yeah. that's very interesting and, how would you characterize just, virus uh, and, and and virus for example uh, doesn't have metabolism right See, okay. it, and it metabolizes uh, i mean it, it so therefore that's uh, that's a problem like in the sense that you know it, it is it doesn't have any it doesn't exhibit any functionalities of uh, the but thing. even one of the most side a host so another uh, another way to look at it is like um, uh, taking back again that uh, ability of self producing uh, character uh, autopoiesis autopoiesis yeah uh, is absent in uh, uh, in viruses right it's 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 a complex uh, self organized uh, assembly i mean uh, assembly is the best word uh, i think as far as the virus is concerned interesting and and, and the question uh, of uh, you know uh, it, the 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 singularity issue that uh, uh, dr bargava mentioned about yeah. the uh, origin of life uh, the other perspective mm-hmm. uh, is um, is that uh, the, the life is also a kind of uh, expression of abundance mm-hmm. abundance in what sense in the sense that you know it, it, there are a lot of cells yeah you know and and there are uh, plenty of organisms yeah there are there is plenty of variation yeah so as stuart kaufman uh, one of the persons who works at the interface of uh, complex systems and physics yeah and mathematics and yeah. uh, tries to characterize the 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 living uh, Uh, automation is 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 a is a kind of uh, uh, what do you call uh, a something that produces variety yeah so mm. producing variety mm. and having generating that kind of variety mm-hmm. is part of the reason why it is sustainable right so it's, it's because it has an it has multiple answers right it has multiple responses right to the various factors that are you have in the environment mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the environment keeps on perturbing this uh, cell of course and cell has to have a response for every perturbation okay and and it it is not possible for the cell to respond to all the perturbations unless it has a method of you know generating different kinds of responses for different kinds of uh, things you know uh, one one may refer it to uh, uh the uh, how many responses do you have for 
the challenges that you face in the environment how finite are these responses or i mean how learned is it when you know what i mean yeah, well the 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 perspective the darwinian perspective is that uh, uh, variation generation is inherent mm-hmm. uh, within the system mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that itself is making it sustainable uh to to discover you know, i mean if you whether you look at uh, uh dna sequence for example it's you know, very interesting though it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's just uh, uh, the language may have only four syllables but then you know it can yeah. produce enormous amount of variety and uh, and and, and, and that variation can produce enormous amount of proteins and 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 so that the variation producing uh that's very uh, interesting dr bhargava what, what how would how would you come in on this and what i mean we we touched upon this concept of expression of abundance and variety in some form how finite or infinite is it and why do we have the number of life forms we have and why isn't it infinite and um, in the super long run is it likely to end up becoming a massively heterogeneous number of life forms or how do you characterize and think of that well uh, i think the answer to your question lies in Darwinian evolution. Okay. Uh, after the first cell was formed, we don't know when. Roughly between three point five and four billion years ago. Yeah. Uh, the transition from the from the chemical world chemical to, state the, uh, to, to the yes. biological state took place. Yeah. Uh, the cell obviously is a is a mixture of large number of constituents. Yes. and uh, uh built in that system is the ability to undergo a change mm-hmm. the genetic material whether it was rna to begin with or dna and there is a mutation that can take place mm-hmm. a random change mm-hmm. um, this is a, a, a fundamental property of any such system uh, any living system any complex system that something can go wrong at some, some time and you when you say random change it truly mean random change it, it means, just a pure it means random change yes it's just like a machine yeah <laughs> that you can have the best of machines but some day something will go wrong and you cannot predict it yes yes <laughs> and you have of course repair repair mechanisms errors not cell. mistakes yeah uh, hmm. there are errors yes yeah. so repair is a very key word and it is these unintended errors yeah that to lead to a change yeah. now if the change organism is more suited for the organism for the environment in which it is surviving mm-hmm. then uh, it would have an, an advantage over the parent organism correct and therefore correct. the change organism will slowly replace the, the parent, parent organism, organism. Yeah. or both of them will continue to live together that's very interesting that's very interesting and uh, the, and now the change organism can again change yes So, yes. uh, the, the, uh, one of the characteristics of living systems is the ability to change. Yeah. Through yeah. a mutation. Yeah. So, in fact, uh, when um, my two good friends Francis Crick and Jim Watson yeah. were working on the structure of DNA, yeah, <laughs> they said that uh, the structure of DNA should be such that it should. allow synthesis of proteins mm-hmm. it should have information for synthesis of proteins mm-hmm. and it must have the capability to change 
because capability it, to change to change yes to undergo mutation yeah <laughs> because if it doesn't then no no evolution can take place so all the variety of life forms that we see around us at some mm. some place far back in time there's a certain mutation that has led to that's, life forms branching out that's that's absolutely right right that's very interesting what is dna I and mean, how how does information get shared and obviously one understands what dna is at a textbook level but why would why would information start getting coded in a you know molecule which which has a chemical kind of basis i mean why why has it happened accident <laughs> that, right. uh, uh, this is the way it happened and we now realize it as 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 life yeah in fact uh, uh, it is clear that uh, if life exists elsewhere it will have to be carbon based and water based yes these are the two because there's no other element that can uh, give you the kind of variety that carbon can give yeah uh, and yeah. variety that works in the sense that a variety that works more importantly yes yes, yes. so uh and you know again it might be a dumb question but isn't isn't it likely that there might be other elements in other parts of the universe uh people have tried to construct uh, living systems out of silicon for example yes but it doesn't work right no you need to have something which uh, can give you as much variation as carbon can carbon can and mm-hmm. and uh, carry out reactions at 37 degrees and normal pressure yes that's important that's most important yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, or, what, yeah. or whatever the temperature is. Correct. Correct. So, Correct. Uh, Correct. If not thirty-seven, it could be forty. It could be forty-five, but it can't be a thousand degrees. So, so if there were to be life on some other planet, it's quite likely that it's pretty similar to the life forms in Earth. Uh, it would be carbon-based and water-based. Now it could in, be. But, morphologically, it could be something but else. But morphologically, it, it could, could be, be something, something else. totally different. Right. Right. Totally different. Right, and that's very interesting. Morphologically, very interesting. functionally, it could be totally different. And you know, for a second, if we go to this genotype phenotype issue, um, obviously there are different kinds of life forms, and they all look miraculously different from each other. How different is the genotype side of things? Um, and you know, if we if we were to think of it from a GP mapping perspective, well, genotype can be extremely similar, mm-hmm. and phenotype can be extremely very different. dissimilar. Yes. So small changes in genotype can lead to very large changes in in phenotype. Right. For example, uh, we share ninety nine percent of our genes with chimpanzee. Yeah. <laughs> but the differences are enormous. Uh, are enormous. Yes. Even between two individuals, the sharing of genes is ninety nine point nine percent. Or dogs, for that matter, they all look so different, and all breeds are just slightly different from each other. Extremely slightly different. Yes. Yes. So, small changes in genotype can lead to very substantial changes in phenotype. Is the and number of genotypes kind of finite across the very very large number of phenotypes that we see around us? And there can be infinite variation in genotypes. Mm-hmm. So obviously, as of now, as at any given time, there would be finite. Yeah. On the but, correct. Uh, for example, today the number of species. Yeah. 
is finite. Yeah. And it's a, a very interesting question that one may raise in the context of what we have been discussing, mm-hmm. is um, um, how do species arise? How does speciation happen? The speciation happen. Yes. And yes. there are several theories. We have our own theory, which, which is published, mm-hmm. and which is at the level of transfer RNA. Right. That uh, if your transfer RNA mutates, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, transfer RNA, which is meant for alanine, but one particular amino acid, mm-hmm. uh, in one particular organism, mm-hmm. and now it mutates, and can, instead of taking alanine, take serine. Right. And serine is put instead of alanine. Mm-hmm. In the, so the, 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 the organism will be, could be non-viable. Right. So. Right. Right. Well, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Nagarjuna, maybe we, you know, we, we touched upon the aspect of metabolism, reproduction. Uh, I mean, how different are these models from each other? And at some level, where does uh, conscious cognition come from? Um, how do these different life forms start thinking? And obviously, the extent of cognition is also very different across well, them. That, from what I think is a uh, big question. I mean, it's a big question. Yes. Uh, uh, well, um, one uh, one of the ways in which uh, uh, I seem to look towards is like to understand the biological basis of uh, such a physical state. Okay. I mean. Granting that uh, we are part of the physical universe, yeah, and uh, we need to locate consciousness within that physical space, yeah. And therefore, you have to ask this question: like, what kind of conditions, yeah, must have made you to, uh, you know, locate it, yeah. So, certain recent indications uh, suggest that. Uh, the, the kind of structure that we are, mm-hmm. uh, like say human beings are highly evolved, uh, uh, say mammals or birds or whatever. Right. So certain interesting indications show that we have a large number of reflexive structural organization. Okay. Okay. What, what the reflexive circular organization you mean would adaptive mean. or... Uh, no, no. Re- reflexive here would mean in terms of uh, uh, a part of the body talking to other part of the body. Like my, my tongue talking to the palate. Got it. For example. Yeah. So you, you have that... Uh, uh, what in, in this case, what happens is, you know, you start generating some kind of... Uh, the input is part of your system. Yes. It's not coming from... From outside. System. It may come. Correct. But it's part of your system. Yeah. I, I touch my body. Yeah one part of my hand touching uh, a, a part of my, let's say, trunk or another hand or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. But as a child, when child is born, I mean, the child starts sucking uh, the thumb. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a very reflexive uh, motor action. Yeah. Yeah. And, and these reflexive motor actions, if you look at the circuitry, the neural circuitry or whatever you look at it, it's a very interesting thing in the sense that um, the, the stimulus... Uh-huh. Uh, and the response uh, model is, is a kind of a reflexive in the sense of um, circular. And, okay. and, and, and then it gives you that emancipation of playing with your body. 
you know, there's a lot of play with your body. The moment you t- start talking about reflexive motor actions, right? So you you begin to play with your uh, with your body, right? So right. So and that seems to happen even at a molecular level, in the sense that uh, uh, since I mean today's subject is not consciousness, but you know Correct. we're looking it's at biological the state. Life. I mean, yeah. it, it it's not accident again that such structures are possible only in life, in yeah. the sense that you know. Like, uh, you know, uh, a symmetry of uh, structures in biology, mm-hmm. like uh, a protein structure, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not like a spear, you know, after all, you know, it, it, it has certain areas which are more uh, prone to uh, What do you mean when you say it's not like a spear? I mean, a spear is like a uniform surface, right? Correct. Right? Correct. So, so the biomolecules are not like uniform surfaces, uh-huh you know uh-huh. Uh, but they're large molecules right right and the affinities are uh, asymmetric in the sense they're polar i mean the, the, you have affinities at one place yeah uh, and you have few other uh, affinity zones at some other places so that itself immediately gives you some kind of uh, 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 possibilities for you to you know interact uh, right. with with the surrounding uh, Right, uh, that's very interesting. That's so, very interesting. So, so that kind of a, uh, if you take microtubules, for example, mm-hmm. you know, a very long protein. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, at, at, so the kind of actions that are happening on one end of the microtubule to the other end of the microtubules, you know, it's after one, one large molecule. Right. So, right. so it's, it's a kind of uh, interesting uh, possibilities for you to modulate. Yeah. You know, modulate here in terms of manipulate, play. Yeah. Yeah. So there yeah. is that play possible because of the fact that you know there are these reflexive yeah. uh, organizations that are possible within the thing. So whether yeah. it is at a very high level, like a human being, you know, yeah. who exhibits a large number of uh, uh, you know emancipated behavior. emancipated uh, uh, reflexive motor actions, right? And in comparison to that, uh, if you look at, for example, a lizard, uh, for example, a lizard keeps walking forward, yeah, and you, you will very rarely see a lizard lifting its leg. And just hanging it in the air to check know. out to check what happens. <laughs> like, it, and it, it doesn't retract immediately. Either it goes forward or it, it, you know, it goes backward. It's very interesting. It, it's not like you know, you basically lift your hand or lift your feet. Like, uh, if you look at dance, for example, it's a wonderful play of expression. But there is a sense of play in nature, isn't it, Doctor Bhargava? What do you say to that? I mean, is is to the sense of play and to the sense of uh, re- reflexive connection with one's own body. Um, well these this uh, this question actually pertains to what you talked about earlier consciousness cognition yeah and how does that conscious cognition is a component of consciousness yes and uh, uh, in, in fact there are two very interesting problems in biology yeah on which there has been a lot of discussion yeah <laughs> one is uh, consciousness mm-hmm. uh, and the other is uh, free will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, in, and they were sort of uh, the uh, two major unanswered questions in biology. Yes. For a long time. But uh, there are two books. One is by Francis Crick. Yeah. Called The Astonishing Hypothesis. Yeah. Theory of Consciousness. Yeah. And there's another by Max Delbrook. Yeah. Both are Nobel Prize winners. Yeah. On yeah. mind from matter. Mind from matter. And mm-hmm. uh, they talk about, uh, they give, give a very plausible 
theory of both free will and consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I think they are no longer mysteries mm-hmm. that we used to. Uh, so to what think. is free will to you as a biologist, or what is free will? Uh, well, free free will is my feeling that when I raise my hand. It, it goes it, up. <laughs> it goes up, and I. It's just I. You are the cause. It. Yeah. And I'm the one who asked. They had to but, go up. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the the perhaps the answer is that I had no other choice at that time. Correct. <laughs> this, this was the consequence of events that had happened earlier. It's predetermined. And it was. Uh, it, it, but uh, the fact that. I feel that I've done this gives me an evolutionary advantage. Although I'm, although um, it may not be the truth, but is, you feel that way. I feel that way because yeah. it does yeah. give me some benefit. Yeah. In terms of future functioning. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, it's very I, interesting. I, I think the uh, this aura of mystery around consciousness and free will. Uh, is no longer relevant and tenable. <laughs> so, which means that uh, uh, so really the only major, un- totally unanswered question that we have in biology mm-hmm. is how it was the first cell formed from non-living materials. Right. That is still the most important and totally unanswered question. Right. Now, when right. It, I said that many people believe And that. what are some different schools of thought on that? I mean, you, you, you touched upon this completely accident, prob- probabilistic kind of angle to that. Well, uh, there are two schools of thought. One school of thought to which many distinguished scientists, Manfred Eigen, mm-hmm. another Nobel Prize winner. Eigen, of course, yeah. Uh, mm. uh, that they believe that uh, this will happen every time. Every time you have a the the environment. Every time you have those conditions, it will happen. Those conditions that were present on so primordial path dependent in some way and is dependent on the initial state. And yeah. On the initial state. So right. that's, when that state is there, yeah. wherever that state is there, you will have emergence of life. Right. Okay. But as I said that earlier, I said earlier that if that is true, then we should be able to create life from non-living material. Correct. Because we know what were the conditions prevailing at that time yeah. on our planet? Yeah. So experiments have been done, but we have but never. Is that known with certitude? Is that known with a very high degree of certainty? What the initial prevailing conditions were? I think with fairly, fairly high degree of. Got it. The, the, the atmosphere was a reducing atmosphere. Yeah. Not an oxidizing atmosphere. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and the fact that that kind of an atmosphere. By passing electric discharge, yeah, uh, you you can generate uh, chemicals yeah. which form the uh, you know backbone of life. Yeah, so it's very interesting. Why don't uh, we spend the last five minutes, Doctor Bhargava, talking about what you believe is the future of life in the very long arc of time, and uh, where could it all go, or is it just just going to be a continuation of the processes that we've been speaking about in a few more? Well. Uh, you know, we, if you begin from the Big Bang, yeah, about 13 billion years 13, ago, 14 billion years ago, uh, yes, um, we had initially what we call 
physical evolution. Yeah. You know, formation of fundamental particles and so yeah. on. Then we had astrophysical evolution. Yeah. Formation of galaxies and stars. Stars, galaxies and yes. so on. And then we had chemical evolution. Yeah. Formation of complex molecules from elements. Yeah. And we know that these molecules exist in the interstellar space. Yeah. And then we had the biological evolution. Yeah. On our planet beginning between 3.5 to 4 billion years ago. Yeah. Uh, our planet is 4.5 billion and years. And somewhat so. similar equivalent of Cambrian explosion. Uh, right. Yeah. And uh, now I think we are having a social evolution. Yeah. <laughs> so in the foreseeable future, uh-huh. biological evolution will of course go on. Yes. But uh, just as even now, astrophysical evolution is going on. Yes. Chemical evolution is going on. None of these stop. So that, what do you mean stop. when you say social evolution? By What I mean is the way that people interact with each other mm-hmm. and form a society. Mm-hmm. And then what the functions of society But human are. beings are just one of millions of species. So when I talk of social evolution, it means it includes interaction between the humans and the other species. Right. Because... They are a part of the environment in which the human beings live. Right. Uh, and adaptation to the environment yeah. or making an attempt to change the environment. Yeah. All this is within human capabilities. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and animals and other living organisms are a part of the environment. Yeah. For example, pollination. So, where are we likely to be um, two million years out or ten million years out? Well, uh, it's uh, very clear that some of our abilities we are losing. Uh-huh. Uh, if you if you go to a museum of armors, yeah, you know, uh, you'll find their whole body armors uh, weighing up fifty, sixty kilograms. And they could wear that. At they could wear at that time. <laughs> they could wear that today. It, it would be difficult to find one person who can wear wear that whole body armor and <laughs> and wield a sword. Right. Right. So, but so our, our ability to carry payload has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, but our, but our brains are becoming cognitive larger. Cognitive abilities are hopefully improved. <laughs> uh, so I think there will be, human evolution will go on. That's very interesting. Uh, we are externalizing. Very interesting. Uh, Nagarjuna, what is the future uh, in one or two minutes? Well, uh, so uh, one, uh, there, there are uh, a couple of things that I'm looking forward to. Okay. So one area where um, I'm looking forward to is uh, the area called artificial life. Yeah. Okay. See, artificial life takes uh, a lot of inputs from the developing uh, computer science algorithms. Okay. To generate, uh, this is to understand the forms that can be produced. Yes. Uh, you know, for example, now it's no longer a mystery that the structures that we see in nature can be mathematically understood from fractals. Correct. Non-linear um, and, you know, scale-free structures. Correct. And complex systems. Correct. 
So there is an enormous amount of work that is happening in that area. Game of whether life, whether physicists type. like uh, yes. this new uh, nonlinear dynamics uh, yes. or not, but it's happening and it's a very interdisciplinary kind of an area. It's very interesting. So artificial life is certainly is one. one of the okay. most important areas. Okay. Where, so because ideas, there is no poverty of ideas. Yeah. But uh, science actually has to establish which of those ideas have, uh, have merit. An, an, an yes. empirical basis. Yes. Right. Okay. The the second uh, uh, area that I'm equally interested in, uh-huh. because we did touch on the consciousness issue, yes, uh, is um, um, cognitive robotics. Okay. Okay. Because there are almost at the time they're almost going to uh, solve the problem of uh, perception. Right. To trying to actually understand what are the conditions that make us actually a sensory beings. Right. You know, so cognitive robotics is very close to find a solution to this. Right. And uh, the, I'm looking and keep uh, reviewing the work that is happening in that area and trying to see how it touches on the traditional uh, notions and, of uh, right. uh, epistemology, you, you know, the, like, for example, we are knowing beings. Right. And right. there's a third area I'm still looking uh, into. It's not yet a well-informed uh, and well-developed area. Uh-huh. And this is to understand various kinds of languages in nature. Yeah. Because it's not the DNA that's language. It's not the human languages. The yeah. animals speak. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. molecules speak to each other. Yeah. So there's a lot of decoding and encoding that happens. Yeah. And, yeah. and how is that decoding and encoding part of the productive production process That's and the sustenance, sustenance of uh, communications? Because after all, the interactions are not happening without communications. Correct. So understanding there those communications. There is a certain language even when two molecules speak. speak yeah. So how, how yeah. are those communications happening and how are those communications spreading from across the globe and trying to work with uh, a much larger uh, kind of uh, network? Uh, of Terrific. the being, you know, Terrific. so to speak. No, that's very interesting. So these that's are the three important uh, areas three I'm looking very, forward to. Three very, very exciting avenues and maybe we'll pick it up some other day and unravel them as we go along. Thank you so much to both of you for making it. It's a great pleasure and a privilege for us to have. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you soon again. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.